Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start, Start saving, saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. This week's Law and Marathon winner is Valtria Denise Roman from Laguna Beach, California. Valtria will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. For next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoie and Roberta Blevins. And these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories, these are their stories. <laughs> Welcome to These Are These Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit, Season 11, Episode 20, Beef. Laura was undercover at Donna Rosa Meats Processing Plant. She wanted to see how bad conditions really were. She was going to call her film Inside the Slaughterhouse. Except she's the one who got slaughtered. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and host of Crime Writers On and Netflix's You Can't Make This Up podcast. It's Rebecca Lavoy. Hello, Rebecca. Oh, wow. Kevin, thanks for having me on the podcast. What a treat. Well, my, they gave me two tickets to Dallas. And I figured I should take you as well. <laughs> Rounding out our panel is our special guest from the Life After MLM podcast. It's Roberta Blevins. It is also a treat. <laughs> so, uh, Roberta, we all know you from your appearance in Lulu Rich as a recovering girl boss. Mm -hmm. You sold leggings of unusual graphics and dubious quality. I have True. a question. Which do you think would be the bigger seller? Leggings with Olivia Benson's face on them, or capri pants with Ice T's face on them. Ooh. I, I, that's a tough question. I'm gonna go with Ice T just because it's Ice T. Yeah, I don't care about the little capri pants. You know, whatever. Yeah, for sure. And I have to let you know now that you have been on these other stories, you have to recruit five other guests to come <laughs> on the show. I'm real good at that. So, Roberta, of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite law and order detective team. I, I'm super basic. I like uh, Olivia Benson and Sta Stabler. I don't, I don't watch a lot of TV. I'm sorry. But I watched this for you guys. And yes, Mariska Hargitay, like all day. That's a solid pick, right? It's like, it's like the pick of like three quarters of our guests. I don't worry about it. It's yeah. because it's so perfect. That's it's it's at least 50% okay. I think most people would agree. <laughs> <laughs> and who is your favorite prosecutorial team? 
Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. Um, is Richard Belzer that guy? Because him. <laughs> Rick, you want to help her out or? Um, I am really enjoying Carisi this time. I, I think I, so it's like that. So I, I used to like, um, you know, I, I, I keep like swishing on this, but I'm a Carisi person now. I am. I am. I'm a Carisi person. Now he's my favorite prosecutor the show has ever had. I'm just going to say that. I think he's my favorite. Yeah. So Roberta, you're okay with Carisi? Sure. Okay. I, I'm telling you, that's what you have to because you're in my okay. town line. Definitely then. Whatever you say, boss. <laughs> I got that term, by the way, from you. I learned that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now let's take a look at the first half of this episode. SVU season 11, episode 20, Beef. Well, the squad investigates the rape and murder of Laura Santiago, discovered by neighbors who just wanted to return her dog. Bled out from a cut jugular. Throat slit from left to right with a very sharp knife. Panties down. Fluids on both sides. Time of death? From the rigor, I'd say between 10 and 10.30. Only they could talk. Oh, I'm no Dr. Doolittle. But a swab of the dog's mouth might tell us if he bit the perp while trying to protect her. Benson and Stapler interview Lars' boyfriend, Jan, who says he'd been at her apartment before the murder but left to walk the dog. Warner says that there were two different blood types found in the semen. Did Jan walk in on Laura with a secret lover? Mr. Santiago can't believe his daughter would date more than one guy. Laura had been fired from a fancy boutique after smashing all the displays of leather clothing. They discover Laura's laptop was filled with hundreds of photos of women's butts and pictures of her dad at a cockfighting ring. Olivia and Elliot get more news from Melinda. Fibers found in the dog's uh, mouth match two different sets of pants, one polyester and one hemp. Jan admits the dog bit him while he was having sex with his pants on because he just likes hanging it over the waistband. (laughs) The couple were supposed to attend a book signing by an author who is, and don't blame me for this characterization, a radical vegan feminist who'd been using Laura's butt pics in a meat equals patriarchy ad campaign. (laughs) Benson and Stabler learned Laura was creating a documentary with input from investigative muckraker Jake Bradshaw. He says her last assignment was working undercover at a slaughterhouse and the film that she was making disappeared. All right, well, like uh, every perfect murder, the killer left the door open so the dog got out. Hello? Hello? <gasps> oh my God. And like every dog, Chewy is determined to ruin the sleep of her owner even in death. <laughs> I, 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 if I was wondering, like, was that dog like usually not allowed in the bed? And he was like, yes. I, he, Wait. The, the dog was just very comfortable. He's like, oh, there's my bed. But like, <laughs> nothing else. And it's like, hey. It's like, uh, finally, see, there's your first suspect, right? And he didn't, he didn't have to go into, like, the laundry to find panties this time. <gasps> I'm sorry. Okay, these are fake people. <laughs> That's the thing we usually say at the beginning of the podcast. These are fake people. <laughs> this is a fake crime. Sorry. <laughs> Well, you saw in the cold open that uh, Munch was like gesturing to the parents, uh, excuse me, to the parrots. And they're like, 
oh, it's too bad. They couldn't talk. It's really ironic because the parrot's name was Alexa. <laughs> I have a parrot who tattles on the dog all the time. It's one of the only things she can say. And so I'll say, who to this? And she goes, Shia. <laughs> I'm not even joking. <laughs> I was like, oh, rat it out every time. It's really funny. So. <laughs> so Stabler brings his wisdom when he's, you know, checking out the crime scene here. I didn't know you had a dog. And it was my job. It's great to come home to something breathing. Yeah, we had a dog once. My father tripped over her one night and brought her back to the pound the next day. We lie down with dogs, you wake up with fleas. Lie down with men. I lie down with men. I know, but you wake up dead? <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's going to say to Kathleen. He's been saying that to Kathleen. Oh, I... Either that or like, no, he puts it in, it's going to explode. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's funny because it's true. Okay. So their first suspect is Laura's boyfriend, Jan, and he loves dogs, protects the earth, and is considerate of his girlfriend's needs and feelings. You know, annoying. <laughs> I don't even kill cockroaches. I take them outside. Being nice to bugs is not a defense for murder. So how did you and Laura meet? I teach on Yasara Yoga. Laura took my class. Anyasara is about celebrating the heart. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Are you taking me downtown? It'd be downtown from here, yeah. Downtown from here, yes. Yeah. Would you hate that guy? <laughs> no. <laughs> you lost me and I teach yoga. Oh, yeah. Well, no, in my notes it says yoga and there's a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> yoga. <laughs> did, did you catch the nickname that they gave him? Pizza Pan. <laughs> Like pizza. Like, like, like yeah, okay, yeah. It took me a minute. It's like the hominid. Pizza pan. Pizza yeah. pan, yeah. Not oh. yeah, I yes, I would not want to the guy with the head pants and the drawstring waistband. Just Oh, another note. Yeah. Never trust a guy who wears drawstring pants. Yep. <laughs> That's with a golden stapler, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they're starting to put like this all together, is this get this picture of Laura as an animal rights lover after they learned that she freaked out at her previous job at a boutique that was selling all these high-end leather goods. So they go, and the manager, first thing he wants to do is make a sale. Well, our aim here is to sell things. To show you how these boots can tell the world who you really are. Tough but sexy. With a take-no-prisoner sass. Or how if you will present this to your wife? She will forgive all your transgressions, at least for the weekend. Yeah, no. Um, so I used to work retail, Kevin. Yeah. That doesn't work. It did that guy. That I mean, mm -mm. did you buy anything from that guy? No, <laughs> he sells Primerica. <laughs> uh, for sure. These boots, you know, it's you look so sassy. Yeah. Ain't no prisoners. Yeah. You're like you would just steal a drug lord's child and raise him as your own. <laughs> By the way, it's like, you know, try to convince um, Elliot that like this handbag, that his wife would love this handbag. And I'm like, Kathy Stabler doesn't need a handbag. She needs a vibrator. <laughs> she needs a divorce lawyer. She needs a divorce lawyer. 
<laughs> she needs to not be driving his car because it might blow up. That's true. Oh, she's fake. Come on. <laughs> she cashed the check. She still gets the residuals. Don't feel sorry for and her. You know you're all rooting for him to get with Olivia anyway, so why do you care? It's better than an annulment. Yeah. No, not for not for him. Marriage is forever. I'm Catholic. Until she gets not blown that. up in a car bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Happily divorced. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. All right. So are we. That's the right thing to say, by the way, when someone tells you you're divorced. Congratulations. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. That, that's what my, when my husband called to let me, ex-husband, to call to let me know that it was like finalized and everything. That's literally what I said. I said, oh, congratulations. <laughs> and he said, you too. And then, well, okay. we, we've been happily married for 12 years. I mean, not all in a row, but. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, for sure. Also, it's 13. Well, yeah. Remember, I promised everybody T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I felt that all weekend. <laughs> hey, we've got a hey, it's that guy. Hey, it's that guy. So, can you tell me the name of the actor playing that vegan hippie Jan Ike? Uh, do you know his name? Uh, I think it's Aaron, but he's the Brigadoon guy. Yeah, this is uh, Aaron Tevik. I told you. That's right. I'm sick of your macho tactics, both of you. Yeah. I want a lawyer. Yeah. Aaron Tebbick, did I get it right? Tevay. Okay. Tevay. All right. Well, I'm not redoing that. This is live. But See, thanks. I knew I was going to butcher it. That's why I just said Aaron something. It's the Brigadoon guy. I mean, yeah. Schmigadoon guy. Yeah, he's currently starring as Topher in Netflix's musical Schmigadoon. Uh, he was also a trip at Vanderbilt in Gossip Girl and the rookie undercover agent Mike Warren in USA's Graceland. And I know Rebecca has seen none of those. Nope. Hey, did you already get the disabler there? What? I'm sick of your macho tactics. <laughs> Toxic masculine. All of us are sick of your macho tactics. So <laughs> yeah. Aaron also played Danny Zuko in NBC's live version of Grease. Yes, he did. The musical that proves you can find true love if you just change everything about yourself for a hoodlum. Leather. <laughs> Leather does it. Um, we also have a Hey, It's That Girl. Hey, it's that girl. Can you give me the name of the actress playing Rosa Donetti? <gasps> no, but... She was in Hunger Games. She was. This is the late Lynn Cohen. And every Sunday night, my family comes to dinner and we enjoy the same meatballs and sausages I've been making at Donna Rosa's Meats for 50 years. Yes, 16 Law & Order Universe appearances. She was gold in my ear in Munich. Also, Mags in Hunger Games Catching Fire, the 80-year-old woman who offers herself as tribute. Wow, that's what we call ethnically ambiguous. Yeah, well, spoiler alert, she doesn't last long. She got poisoned and <laughs> smoked out. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Mags. Uh, most people may know her as Magda, uh, Miranda's nanny on oh, Sex and the City. That's, that's exactly Yeah. And for those who might not remember, Magda was the one who replaced Miranda's vibrator with a statue of yes. the Virgin Mary. <laughs> the Mary statue. Yeah. yeah, we call that the ejaculate conception. <laughs> Magda. All right, you get T-shirts. That's good. <laughs> uh, who's playing the activist and author Elizabeth Sandler? Well, she was filming an unflinching expose on meat. I was her first interview. I don't recognize her. 
Yeah, her name is Ellen Dolan. For 12 years, she played Margot Hughes on As the World Turns. Oh. That's why I don't know her. Rebecca, you blew it. I did blow that one hard. Yeah. As we all know, As the World Turns is the greatest soap opera that's ever been on television. Yeah. Bar none, period. Um, let's see here. In 1993, she won a Daytime Emmy Award, which we can all agree is the trash can Emmys, right? <laughs> hey. What? It's not cool. Uh, Those are real people, okay? (laughs) They are real people. I'm put in my place. (laughs) So her roles include an appearance in the CBS School Break special, which we can all agree is the Trash Can ABC After School special, right? All right, I got you that time. Uh, She played Matthew Fox's mother in the episode, If I Die Before I Wake. It's about a high school's entire track team that's killed in a plane crash. So it's like Yellow Jackets without the cannibalism. <laughs> it's like Alive without the cannibalism. I haven't heard Matthew Fox's name in a long time. Yeah. He's lost. Still? <laughs> Jesus they all got Christ. Off the island. My daughter's just like getting into Lost now because it's on some streaming service. And I'm getting like random texts. He's like... They're time travelers. And I'm like, I don't know. You're like, just wait. <laughs> yeah. It all, it all wraps up so neatly. Yeah. You're going to love it. In the purgatory yeah. weight room of wherever the fuck no we are. No spoilers, but it's not Penny's boat. Yeah. <laughs> so can you tell me the actor playing the slaughterhouse's attorney, Alberto Serafini? Mr. Riley, be quiet. I killed Laura. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> No. That actor's name is Arthur, Arthur Nars, oh, sorry, I'm Irish. I can never do these Italian names. That's Arthur Narscarella. Narscarella? Narscarella, yes. Does Irish mean stupid? It does. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't have a grand view of the world. It's just kind of right there. Uh, Fort Law and Order appearances, he's currently in Billions and Godfather of Harlem. He's probably best known as Carlo Gervasi in The Sopranos. He's a guy who whacked fat Dom Gamello, cut off his head, and then drove to Connecticut to stuff it in a storm drain. Ah, that's where I know him from. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you some of the other characters he has played. He's played Carlo Gambino, Bruno Caparello, Frank Bonadello, Stefano Quaffi. Tony Manfredi, Frank Langana, Jimmy Cabs, and Nikki Fingers Bonato. Not, you did real good with that Italian. Yeah. Not ethnically ambiguous, this guy. Yeah. Yeah, where was the Irish on those names? I don't know. I just, <laughs> I know Fingers, Nikki Fingers could have been, they're called you know, Liam Fingers or something yeah. like that. Liam like, Fingers? That's right. That's right. Oh, Seamus. Okay. Uh, I'm starting to think that he's got a type, you know, it's like, I'm in the sanitation removal business. You know, he's like, oh. But I just hate it when white guys get typecast. It's so racist. I'm going to tweet that you said that. Yeah, With I, no context. No context. This will never be taken out of context ever. But you have to see things from Hitler's point of view. He's like, Oi. Oh, yes. Again, took you to cut that right out. Uh, can you tell us who played that ladies' man, Jorge Vargas? No, nope. probably not. 
is Juan Javier Cardenas. I mean, Laura was very pretty, but I never touched her. That's the truth. Ask my wife. I went for a walk. Uh, he has recurring roles in SWAT, nope. Snowfall, and Damnation. He also played the dad in Max, the Max original 80s flashback Latino family comedy, The Gordita Chronicles. You see it? No, I was like, oh, I didn't no, watch that. That's why it only had one season. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, he also played the evil spy Dante in The Walking Dead. Oh. Is Tara Newell here? Because, she, you know, if you listen to Dirty John, you know why she would take a, a good interest in <laughs> anybody oh, from Walking Tara, Dead. Tara and I are on the same zombie apocalypse team. We already have a plan. Like, she was fully like, we're going to take the Lulu leggings. We're going to set them on fire. We're going to fling them across. I said, we're going to make them rip them in strips and do Molotov cocktails. Oh, we have a whole plan. So if anybody needs a team to join, we are recruiting. Oh. I like the Molotov cocktail idea. I know I you've got really a whole myself. bunch of leggings. I know Rebecca's got a whole bunch of empty bottles. <laughs> so the two of you can be on our team. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to bring him if you don't want to. Yeah. So lastly, did you recognize the actor playing Miguel, the guy moving all those boxes of meat? Everybody knows Vargas. Eso es un hombre bueno. And bueno with the ladies we hear. Anytime a new chica comes to work here, he's like the welcome wagon. Ooh. That's Dominic Cologne for Law and Order appearances. He's had some roles in Escape at Danamora, Madoff, and East Willie B. But he's probably best known to your tweens as Manny Spamboni in the 2009 reboot of The Electric Company. The, the Electric, Electric Company, Company right? had a reboot? You remember the original, right? The original. Electric I, Company had a reboot? They had a reboot, yeah. Missed it. Yeah, well, the original, right? They had Oscar winner Rita Moreno. Oscar winner Morgan Freeman and rape conviction appeal winner Bill Cosby. So don't boo, it's a fact. Look it up. Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> it's the plumber. I started to fix the sink. Uh, yeah, so the electric company wiki, and somebody's maintaining this, the electric company wiki says that this kid's TV character, this kid's TV character, Manny Spamboni, has been arrested on 12 counts of assault and battery and use of chemical weapons. The fuck, PBS? <laughs> That's a plot point on the electric company? Yeah. <laughs> I just remember the guy would fall in the pies, you know, and now yes. it's like chemical warfare. <laughs> chemical warfare. Like getting way too edgy. So he like pissed somebody off with that Wikipedia thing. <laughs> It's like that time someone changed our Wikipedia because I got into the local Facebook group fight. Oh, no. And then they went to the Crime Writers on Facebook uh, wiki and they were like, this podcast is terrible. And I'm like, Steve, I know that's you. <laughs> uh, so Dominic lost 190 pounds, almost half his body weight. Take a look side by side. Dang. Yeah, good for him, right? Yeah. So like many people who lose that much weight, he had a lot of excess skin around the middle. So he wrote and directed a short comedy film called Skin. It's about a man who lost 200 pounds but is afraid to make love to his boyfriend unless he's wearing a shirt. Oh, I know that tracks because every woman I've ever been with will only do it if they can wear a blindfold. <laughs> okay, so uh, getting back to the uh, episode here, they, um, they asked Taru to cover what was on uh, Laura's deleted hard drive. Like, now, you know Taru, right? No. 
That's not Taru. His name is Morales. <laughs> Taru is, uh, it's, it's, I got it right here. It's Technical Assistance re re Response Unit. So you just learned something today. That's right. And he's like, we're going to have Taru check it out. And then he shows up. Of course, everybody thinks that's what his name is. Nope. No? It's an acronym. Rebecca, no, you thought no, for... No, everyone... No, I'm saying, no, that's not what his name is. That's but not I what his thought name that's is. what his name was for like 12 years. Yeah. You also thought that Warner's first name was Emmy. <laughs> like, here comes the Emmy. It's the M-E. <laughs> it's a thinker. It's a homonym. Yeah, I get it. So what Taru does get is 10 gigabytes of photos of women's butts. You weren't mm -hmm. kidding. That's a lot of butts. Was Laura a lesbian? Had a couple boyfriends. Could have gone both ways. Maybe she sent photos into one of those fetish websites. An entire website devoted to women's butts. Something's wrong with that? Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> that was a note I made as well. 10 gigs of women's butts. I just wrote it down. I felt it was important. <laughs> was it necessary for the cops to put them in one giant collage? Yes. You yes. Know? Wouldn't more an Instagram effective. carousel be better and they could just... Like Cher Horowitz's closet, but just <laughs> yeah. butts. Uh, I'd, I will say, I do think that um, NBC missed some camel toe on some of those. I... Well, I don't know. They did show off a lot of the Lulu Roll panty collection, so there's a couple of exciting ones. But I must <laughs> say that, Laura, the first three dozen ass photos, you've completed the assignment. The rest are just for you, right? <laughs> right. Right. Eventually, like, in your deep dive of butts, you're like, we have enough butts. But they kept going. Yeah. It was like, for them. They're like potato chips. They were you? like, there's some perks to this job. And 10 gigs of butts is one of them. It's never clear if she took photographs of people's butts or she was just like Google imaging them or something. <laughs> I need more. Well, butts. it's about the patriarchy. So, well, actually, that doesn't really clear anything up. <laughs> <laughs> was she getting releases from the people? Excuse me. It just. Um, I just took a photo of your butt. Can you please sign this? <laughs> well, let really me see good. the picture first. Okay, I'll sign. That's a good picture of my butt. Can you send that to me? Maybe a little more like, you know, there's a shadow. Could you just turn your hips a little bit? And it's like, ooh, color correction. It's going to really pop on the page. But that doesn't mean the weirdest thing they find on the hard drive. There are photos of cockfighting. Cockfighting? Birds cock on steroids for the amusement of boys on tequila. Now there's a party. Look at the legs. They call them short knives, <laughs> half-inch blades. Wait a minute. It's Laura's old man. I blow it up. <laughs> now, I know you might not want to be that Karen who calls the cops on your Mexican neighbors, but in what neighborhood can you have open-air cockfighting in someone's backyard? Did anyone notice that Finn knew exactly what those little blades were called on that? <laughs> he knows everything. He knows everything. It's astonishing. It's sus. The man's knowledge. Yeah. The man's knowledge knows no boundaries. I mean, who knows what like cock flight fighting like claw blades are called like instantly. Finn. <laughs> and cockfighters too. <laughs> well, you know, once you've been on a television character for like twenty four years, you have to start digging a little deeper and like what can, what can we do to make this guy interesting? <laughs> it's true. Yeah, you know, it's like he's into he knows a lot about cockfighting. He's really the Goran of the show when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of big because it could have been, and this just occurs to me, that Laura could have been, like, Googling uh, butt pics 
and cockfighting and not getting photos of that kind of cockfighting. Because <laughs> the algorithm would be like, hmm, yeah. okay. Yeah. But they do see there are like two <laughs> semen types. Uh, and they also learned that the dog bit two different pairs of pants. So Finn and Munch go back to ask Jan about his sample. Chewy bit me. <laughs> kind of got jealous when Laura and I had sex. You had sex with your pants on? Is that a crime? It's not. Not a crime, but maybe the dog's just jealous. (laughs) Or maybe the dog just thinks that's way too fucking weird. (laughs) Maybe the dog just really likes pants. Yeah. There's like another pair of pants. Where does Jen have to go? That he's just like, hold on a sec. I'm just going to pull him down halfway this time. Got to go to his yoga circle or whatever the fuck he's doing later. Yeah, and you know it's got to be over the waistband because you can't trust that zipper to not catch. There's no zipper. It's a drawstring. It's a drawstring. Yeah, the one that, okay. But also, hemp, so isn't that kind of rough? Yes. Would you not? No. No, you, okay, there you go. And they're hemp. Yeah. Yeah, so. It's like a sack. It's like a yeah. sack. It's like a sack. For it's his like a, sack, yes. It's like, it's like pants. It's a sack pants. <laughs> I know so, a lot about shitty pants. <laughs> yeah. True. That True that. Yeah. We so, have made, we've sold so many shitty crime writers on leggings after we reviewed that documentary. It's incredible. We say they're buttery soft, but, you know, <laughs> but they don't smell like mildew. No. And when you Google buttery soft, usually on two kind of photos come up. Leggings and pretzels. Oh. And butts. And, and butts. Butt fix, yeah. And butts now. Ten gigs worth. <laughs> well, Benson and Saver learned that those, you know, butt pics from Laura were actually being used by an activist for her women's rights slash animal rights campaign. Meat eating and the patriarchy work hand in hand. We can't end the objectification of women until we stop eating our four-legged brothers and winged sisters. Hmm? Thank you. Well, I might regret saying this in a room full of women that I don't know. Oh, but- okay, then maybe you shouldn't. I already wrote it down. It's important. <laughs> Going vegan will not stop men from checking out your titties. <laughs> Just, it's not the magic bullet. Sorry. I am so sorry. No, this is why we have to teach our sons. <laughs> Some better. Um, he's all mine, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> But really, how many breasts can one man give up? <laughs> you want that fucking t-shirt. I'm <laughs> Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. All right, now let's take a look at the second half of this episode. (laughs) Please. Matriarch Donna Rosa Donetti has got two things. Meatballs that taste like they came from the old country and workers who are too fucking busy to talk to the police. Laura trabaja aquí dos o tres weeks. But see, the people like her okay. And somebody like her a lot. Yeah, who's that? Jorge Vargas. Papi Chulo. Thinks he's a real ladies man, you know? Yeah, I know the type. You looked at Munch. I know the type. Munch and Finn learned that Jorge Vargas took an interest in Laura while she worked undercover at the slaughterhouse. Vargas says he never got with Laura, but his DNA matches the semen sample, and the fibers from his polyester work pants match those in the dog's mouth. But he's got no dog bite, and a different sweat DNA sample is found inside the crotch of the pants. Is there a third person who's trying to set him up? Mrs. Vargas tells Liv and Elliot that she got a typewritten note from an anonymous woman who said that her husband was sleeping with Laura and asked the wife to obtain a semen sample so they could set him up. With no other leads, Olivia goes undercover as a Russian scullery maid in the slaughterhouse to find clues. But all she finds are insects and rotting intestines. When she hears management caught Laura taking pictures, Benson snoops in the office of the foreman, Mr. Riley. Just as she finds the videotape, Riley catches her and socks her in the face. Back at the station, they make Riley drop his pants, but he has no dog bites either. That's when Donna Rosa and the company lawyer enter the picture. After Cragen tells her the DNA off Riley's toothpick matches the sweat in the pants, Rosa asks her foreman to confess, which he does, without even hearing the evidence against him. Munch reviews Laura's documentary, which features the most disgusting stock footage of the beef industry NBC could license. (laughs) But he and Olivia notice in the footage that Riley chops meat with his left hand, and the person who slit Laura's throat was right-handed. Benson and Munch go to Rosa's apartment to discover Riley is actually Rosa's son by her dead husband who can never do anything right, and by that I mean the son and not the dead husband. She admits to killing Laura to protect her empire, built on beef tallow, rotten intestines, and bug excrement. Okay, so don't cry. Uh, so fake, fake me. Yeah, fake me. <laughs> So when asking a co-worker about whether Jorge, uh, Jorge Vargas had a thing for Laura, this is what Miguel says. Put it this way, for girl with spaghetti, Vargas wanted to be the meatball. But see, that so disappointed me because they also sold sausages. <laughs> so wait a minute, so he just wanted to lie on top of her disappointingly? Yeah, That's like, cheese. Yeah. Just sit there. Well, the only way his meatball is getting in her spaghetti is if it's hanging over the edge of the waistband. (laughs) Now, Vargas's wife tells uh, Benson and Stabler that Vargas told her to throw out some blood-stained pants. Dude, you work in a slaughterhouse. All of your clothes are covered in blood. (laughs) Every day. Every day. Throw out these suspicious pants. <laughs> Throw out the suspicious and, ones. And th- yeah. And then there's another twist in the case when Vargas's bloodstained pants have a third and completely different DNA profile in the inseam. We got semen inside Laura Santiago from Jorge Vargas and Jan Ike. 
ew. I mean, no, I don't mean ew with the semen inside, Laura. I mean, ew with the illustration. I, I feel like Elliot practiced for that. He, he was drew a like, straight line to her mouth. <laughs> exactly. The fun. It's like he didn't shoot her in the face with it. I know. <laughs> He's like, Kathleen, this is what I don't want to have happen to you. <laughs> I always bring it back to poor Kathleen. So this is what they say the setup was, that Mrs. Vargas was supposed to bring a semen sample from her husband to give it to the mystery woman. And here is how she transported it. Look what she's carrying. Two hours before Laura Santiago's murder, you left to go where? Yeah, look at it again. Here. Let me, let me bring it back. <laughs> how much semen is she carrying? <laughs> It's the same ice chest that ho- that holds George Bluth's semen in Arrested Development. Yeah. So they probably just borrowed it. But why does it got to be cold? It, you got to keep those little motherfuckers alive, buddy. You got to keep it warm, right? Isn't that well, for the viscosity? I don't know about That's the true. viscosity. That's true. someone pregnant. I didn't know we were going to talk about this. I didn't do the research. <laughs> Okay, so Benson goes undercover as a cleaning lady in the slaughterhouse. And I would like you to ask, I'm asking, what kind of accent is she using? You'll start by cleaning. And if you do good, we'll move you up. Okay, Tanya? Yes, very good. Thank you. Kind of Russian? Kind of Russian? Do you know what's weird? Mariska Hargitay speaks fluent Italian. Right? Oh, shoot. Well, yeah. So why didn't she just, like, pretend to be an Italian person? <laughs> I, I wonder this all the time. They always put her in these situations, and she's got, like, some super fucked up accent. And I'm like, she could just do an Italian one so easily. And they, like, and also, why does this cleaning lady have to be Russian? Like, why? I think it might be have something to do with no papers, and it's... But um, full makeup and hair. Yeah. <laughs> right. And she's hiding, like, in her bonnet and her her Playtex rubber gloves, you know, um, equipment so that she can talk to, to Stabler. This place is disgusting. Filthy cockroaches. <laughs> you make me hungry. You know why it's filthy? You haven't cleaned it yet. <laughs> you walk in with your nice earrings and you're like, oh, this is, this is horrible. And, like, no one's yelling at you for this horrible accent. <laughs> Just like the blatant cockroaches, just like chilling on the meat. Just like, and no one's like, hey. Look what she looks like, though. Can you show us what she looks like? Yeah. She's like when she's they make a pretty woman look ugly by putting glasses on her. Right. <laughs> Give her and some rubber gloves and a, and a handkerchief. She said, what a, what a convincing disguise. Goodness gracious. So she's looking um, for the documentary film that Laura made, probably got her killed, when... Mr. Riley catches her in his office. What are you doing in here? I'm cleaning. Yeah? It's okay. <laughs> Looks like snooping to me. <laughs> By the way, he didn't know she was a cop when he did that. It just like, she thought she was some third shift cleaning lady with a weird accent. Yeah, just some nobody. That's right. I'll take you, bam. <laughs> yeah. So in the, I, I'm it just sorry. like blast her the boom. It's, like, like, it's, not, it's it, so like not even appropriate for the situation at all. <laughs> and it's like there's nothing funny about somebody hitting a woman in the face. But for some reason, it, that scene is so funny. <laughs> She's like, <"Ooh." laughs> so it's, 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 Foley. 
It's just so. What is the Foley Kevin for punching in the face? Uh, it, it, back to the old days of radio, it would be you take a ham, a wet ham, and you would slap it, <laughs> and it makes that noise like that. Yeah. I want to say, like, if um, Stefan from SNL were here, he would totally love this. He'd be like, this episode has everything. <laughs> Butt pics, cockfighting, <laughs> an ice chest full of jizz. <laughs> A guy who likes to get it in by hanging his dinosaur egg over the top of his waistband. There's a lot there. So, in the end, Munch and Olivia figure out that this, you know, overly complicated murder plot, what it's about, it was Donna Rosa, who wrote to Mrs. Vargas to get the pants and semen to set up Vargas for the murder. And she slashed Laura's throat, but Mr. Riley took the blame because... He's actually her son. Okay. Johnny's my kid by my late husband. Rest his soul. Family name is Riley. You're not even Italian. Oh, please. Black Irish. <gasps> we took the lady because people like meatballs better if they think they're made by eye ties. Oh. Oh. So oh. racist. Oh, yeah. snap. By the way, another accent Benson can't do. <laughs> it's a me, Mario. <laughs> when that happened, my note was, Mama Rosa, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a cute 1930s slur. That murder plot when you read it. I'm like, didn't she have a car she could just, like, run her over with? Like, unbelievably complicated murder plot. Super complicated. Wow. I just, you know, go back and say, I, you can still get away with that funny Italian accent, but it does feel like it's the next one that's going to go, right? But, but you know what would have been so much it. easier? What? Just, like, killing the cockroaches. Yeah, clean it up. Like, instead of killing a person, just clean up your meat packaging industry. Like... It's very The Jungle by Upton Sinclair. Like, it's very, like, right? Like, the worst thing that could have happened if The Jungle didn't come out and he just got brutally murdered instead. Yeah, why not just bring that dog Chewy in and eat up all the scraps? It's like a win-win. Yeah, just let Chewy eat. Get a lizard. I have a bearded dragon. That bearded dragon would eat all those cockroaches. Just let the bearded dragon and then wash it, and you're good. Bearded dragon's cheaper than murder. Yeah, it's a little disturbing that you have that plan all the top of your head. <laughs> Cockroaches are expensive, y'all. All right, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Rip from the Headlines. You think you know who did you it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Rip from the Headlines. <laughs> This episode leans into the legacy of author Upton Sinclair. The writer was famous for his fictional works based on his own investigative reporting. (laughs) Labelled the muckraker, Sinclair wrote expose on the influences of capitalism on early 20th century America. They covered topics such as wage inequality, free speech on college campuses and sensational journalism. Sinclair's most famous work is the 1906 novel The Jungle. He prepared for the story by working undercover for seven weeks in the Chicago stockyards. The Jungle tells the tale of a Lithuanian immigrant working in a meatpacking factory. The workers faced unsanitary conditions, on-the-job hazards and child labour. The meat they processed was contaminated or rotten. At one point, get this, a worker who fell into a rendering tank 
had his body ground up with animal parts, then sold as lard. All the while, management turned a blind eye while reaping the profits. Sinclair hoped the jungle would expose the hardships and exploitation of the factory workers. Instead, it was the novel's graphic details about food safety that shocked the public. Sales of American beef plummeted. In response, Congress passed the Meat Inspection Act of 1906. In subsequent years, organised labour would win further reforms, including workplace safety standards, overtime pay and banning child labour. After The Jungle, Upton Sinclair posted more than 100 books. He passed away in 1968. Well, just when you thought workplace safety benefits were pretty much set in stone after a century... Child labor violations have quadrupled in the past couple of years. Much of the workers are children of migrants, many undocumented. Many of them are minors who have come across the border by themselves. A lot are in construction, but the biggest offenders are meat and poultry processing plants. So I guess what's old is new again, guys. That's right. And and just like then, we don't care about the people. All we care about is what we buy and eat, which is so fucked up. Yeah, so in August, the Ar- anyone here from Arkansas? Way in the back? Stand by, brother. Um, in, Ar- in August, Arkansas passed the bill rolling back some protections on child labor. Florida and Wisconsin are also considering loosening rules on child labor. And Newt Gingrich said poor children should work as janitors in schools. And my question is, can this world get any more Dickensian? Uh, yes. First of all, I knew that Upton Sinclair stuff because I'm a nerd. And secondly, and I read that book. (laughs) Uh, And secondly, there's also a whole subset of child labor that people don't even talk about in cults and religious high-demand control groups like Scientology, like a lot of different churches and religions and things like that and it's tax exempt and it's not great the children have to i mean you're not talking about altar boys you're talking about no jobs no jobs and also no like like digging ditches and building stairs and planting things and like children raising uh puppy mill puppies like it's it's wild Mm. yeah and i don't even think any of that like goes into those statistics because it's protected because a lot of these things are churches yeah, and like the family business, there there are like right some exemptions. the nepotism and stuff like that with people that I get. Who knows? Yeah, I think it's not good. Yeah, I think in some I don't know if it's federal or state, but like if if it's your family business, you could like as young as twelve, ten, yeah, ten or twelve, yeah. Yeah, I mean depending on what it is and if there's like hazardous, you know, heavy equipment or anything like that. But I'm just like, hey guys, the hot new extracurricular activity, chimney sweep club. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> So they say actually, little bodies can get in those tight spaces. Yes, right. So it's actually really efficient. Their tiny little hands can get in there and yeah, pluck all the little bones out of the salmon. Uh, someone's got to do it. So they say allowing children as young as 12 to work up to 48 hours a week is necessary because of the current labor shortage instead of, I don't know, Paying a more competitive wage and adhering to workplace laws that have been in effect for almost 100 years. That's right. Bitch. 
loopholes. Right. And but that will drive up prices. I don't know, but if people got paid more, they could afford the things that would cost more. It's kind of how the economy works. Yeah, we've been trying to like let's keep it down for so long that uh, yeah. it hasn't really worked out for everybody. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's like, well, if uh, you can't get people to work at that rate, you could either yeah, pay them more like you're supposed to, or you could just I didn't get I don't know, robots or Or you could hire someone to murder them and do a really complicated plot around yeah. it. There's yeah. that. So the New York Times magazine published an essay on a fourteen year old boy who nearly got his arm ripped off in a machine at a Purdue chicken plant in Virginia. The article notes that middle and high school aged children make up about a third of the overnight shifts at the plant. And they do things like handling acid and pressure hoses to wash away blood and meat scraps from industrial machines. A lot of times, like uh, Tyson or Purdue will hire a third party to do like the cleaning. So technically, they're not employees of the, right? you know, so that's one of the ways uh, they get away with it. Now, the 14-year-old who nearly lost his arm said, that was still a better job than selling Lulu Road leggings. <laughs> uh, that is going to do it for us. We want to thank our guest, Roberta Levins. Roberta! <laughs> How can our listeners follow you online? What was that? How can our listeners follow you online? I was like, what? Uh, I'm everywhere. You can Google me. RobertaBlevins.com. You can find everything there. I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. Whatever you want to do. Life After MLM Podcast. Listen. And Rebecca Lavoie, how can our listeners follow you? Uh, you can just walk with me out into the hallway, like behind me. Do that too. Uh, but you can also find me everywhere online at Reb Lavoie. And you can track me on Twitter. At least that's what it's called yesterday. I don't know. It's, I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. You can tweet to us at Law & Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast or like and subscribe on YouTube and TikTok. Our newsreader was Cartoon Psy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Content assistance from Travis Roy, Lily Flynn, and his promotions. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for Criticism and Commentary. Go to lawandorderpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These are the stories recorded in front of a live audience in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> and it's a production of Partners in Crime Media. Thank you. Thank you. Partners in Crime Media.